In a drought, farmers may pray for rain, but relief comes only when nature decides. For the book business, once green fields of e-book sales are turning yellow like hay, and sales trends like weather patterns can be persistent. Welcome to Copyright Clarence's podcast series. I'm Christopher Keneally for Beyond the Book. Book sales statistics arrive from numerous single sources, which vary widely. When the industry's aggregate numbers are published, attention must be paid. Andrew Albanese, Publishers Weekly senior writer, has tallied the figures from this week's report by the Association of American Publishers. Andrew joins me now, as he does for Beyond the Book each Friday, with the latest scores from the book world. And welcome back, Andrew. Hey there, Chris. Well, you know, as I mentioned in the intro, we we talk a lot about various sales reports from the big five publishers, and they have not shown much good news for the first half of 2016. But at last, we have figures from AAP from a much broader publisher base for the first quarter of 2016. And what do they show? Well, the AAP numbers pretty much now confirm that 2016 is not going terribly well for any publishers, really. Uh, broadly speaking, AP reported that sales of adult books fell 10.3% in the first quarter of 2016 compared to the first period of 2015. And sales of children's and YA books dipped about 2.1%. These figures, of course, are drawn from AAP's StatShot program, uh, which is based on reporting from just over 1,200 publishers throughout the industry. Uh, and perhaps most notably, and not surprisingly, is that the figures also show that the decline in ebook sales is continuing into 2016. Sales of adult ebook titles dropped 19% in the first quarter, and uh, sales of children's and YA titles fell a staggering 40.5%. Overall, ebook sales accounted for about 27% of adult book sales in the quarter, and that's down from just about 30% in the same period of last year. And in the adult book category, sales fell in all but two formats, downloadable audio and trade paperback. Sales of downloadable audio are actually quite a bright spot for publishers, and they were up another gaudy figure uh, in this report, 36.4% for the quarter, while sales of trade paperbacks rose only modestly, 1.5%. And that's also not good news for publishers, because trade paperbacks, of course, sweep in adult coloring books, which have really been surging, of course, over the recent, over the last year or so. Uh, So we will hope for a a blockbuster or 10 titles perhaps to pick things up for the rest of the year, and we'll hope for, for hopefully a good holiday season as well. Uh, though I have to say, I'm not sure why it's taken this long for AAP to report the first quarter of 2016. Uh, and at this rate, we won't have AAP's view of the holiday sales until sometime next spring. So hopefully we can actually speed that date up next time around. Yeah, well, that would be good. It ought to happen a little sooner than that to give people a clue as to where the business is going. So that's not very heartening news. Uh, But there is some good news this week. The Book Industry Study Group has a new leader, and it is consultant Brian O'Leary, who's been a guest on Beyond the Book from time to time. And what are your thoughts on the choice? Yeah, you know, congratulations to Brian O'Leary. He's a a pretty well-known industry executive, uh, excuse me, industry consultant, I should say, who heads up uh, Magellan Media Partners. Uh, And uh, he has indeed been named executive director of the BISG. He will begin his work on October 3rd, succeeding Mark Kuyper, who 
resigned the position, I think it was in August, just after just about a year on the job. Uh, as for my thoughts on the choice of Brian O'Leary, I really couldn't be happier. Now, I may be a little biased because uh, O'Leary is a PW columnist. He writes the Digital Perspectives column for PW, or at least he has for the last year. I'm not sure that will now continue uh, as he takes the reins at BISG. And I'm happy for BISG because I think O'Leary has proven that he's one of you know probably a handful of people that really is kind of up for the challenges, uh, not only facing the publishing business as it finds its way through this digital transition, but also for BISG as an organization. You know, our listeners who know Brian know that he has long ties to BISG. He's served as a board member. He's worked on several projects, including a study of metadata in the publishing supply chain. And the hire comes just as BISG is about to celebrate 40 years at its annual meeting, which is set for uh, September 30th. Now, all that said, I'm also going to double down on a few things I said when we talked last about Mark Kuyper and his resignation from BISG. And that's that I think BISG is actually facing a bit of a tough stretch here because with the first phase, we'll call it perhaps, of the digital transition now complete for publishers, I mean, ebooks are now accepted and widely available. I think it's getting harder to approach the issues that really need studying in the industry. You know, back when digital was just getting started, everyone wanted some guidance and people were we're dying for more information. But these days, so much of that business is now governed by contracts or non-disclosure agreements. I just think it's harder and harder to get to do research. Um, now, there certainly is no shortage of complex and thorny issues to study. And I think what excites me most about Brian O'Leary is that he's shown that he's not really afraid to try to get involved with some of those thorny issues. In fact, when I met Brian, uh, first met Brian many years ago, he was studying or trying to study the true effects of piracy on publishers bottom lines. And that was a subject that was so morally charged uh, as of, you know, 2008, 2009, that it was almost considered taboo. I mean, you would have thought that Brian was asking for, you know, a proposal to study the effects of murder for all the pushback that he got. You know, there couldn't possibly be any upside to piracy. Uh, You know, piracy is just morally wrong, you know, but Brian really wanted to go where the data was going. And he really wanted to sort of study the effects of what getting copies of these books might be doing for, for readers and for publishing overall. Uh, I don't think that research really got very far along, though. I don't think publishers are really too willing to go along with that. But anyway, uh, I think Brian showed some courage there. I think this is a great hire for BISG, and I wish Brian and BISG Godspeed in their work. Well, you may get a chance to do that in person because Brian takes over at uh, the Book Industry Study Group uh, just in time for the Frankfurt Book Fair. And indeed, Frankfurt is uh, bearing down upon us very quickly indeed. And in Monday's edition, Publishers Weekly has its annual preview. So tell us uh, what we'll find there. Yeah, it's that time of year again. Can you believe it? The Frankfurt Book Fair. Uh, in Monday's issue, we will indeed have our annual roundup of what publishers and agents are bringing to Frankfurt in terms of rights that they'll be selling and big titles and, and books that may be under the radar, but we'll probably see some sales volume in the Right Center. And in the coming weeks, we'll also write, be writing more about Frankfurt, uh, which of course is the world's largest book fair and a show that really has evolved considerably over the last decade and is continuing to change. Uh, Indeed, uh, we've seen that together. I'll be joining you again this year at uh, the Frankfurt Book Fair, and we'll uh, record the podcast uh, when we're there in the middle of October, a week later than usual uh, for 2016. But when you say the show has changed, talk a little bit about that change. What's, what's its character, and what do you expect uh, that will be new this year? 
Sure. And, and, you know, of course, uh, you know, you can weigh in here as well, Chris, if you feel uh, free to. I know as a Frankfurt attendee, you've witnessed some of this change yourself. But I'll put it this way. You know, Frankfurt will always be a book fair. But over the last decade, they've really worked hard to bring in all other content areas. That's film and games and TV, you know, technology, you name it. And I think that's been a great example for the book business that really needs to look at every opportunity offered by digital beyond just words on a page. So I, I think Frankfurt has been brave in seeking to bring all these different uh, stakeholders into the Frankfurt Book Fair, whether or not they're book publishers or not. Uh, and this year, Frankfurt is actually going to add a new platform, uh, one for fine arts. Uh, the fair has partnered with a media entrepreneur and art collector named Christian Zuzam to uh, launch a new platform called the Arts Plus. And that's going to bring speakers and attendees together to discuss, and I'll quote here, new business models and synergies between the arts and technology. Uh, as Frankfurt uh, Book Fair VP Holger Wallen says, just like with music, film, and literature, uh, the art world is also being disrupted by digital. Everything from the sharing economy and how that impacts art ownership to the different types of arts and the tools of art uh, that are now you know, leading to new art being created. You know, the cultural market is in flux and the merging of art and technology is forging a new future. And Frankfurt wants to bring that discussion into the book fair, which I think is a pretty good idea. Uh, in addition to a one-day program on October 19th for the Arts Plus platform, and there's going to be a range of great speakers there, including uh, a keynote interview with legendary British artist David Hockney. Uh, the Arts Plus platform is also going to have about 2,000 square feet of exhibit space where visitors will be able to experience things like like uh, virtual reality and 3D art and learn more about some of the digital platform providers that are working in the space, as well as attend workshops, labs, and presentations that are actually going to run throughout the full five days of the fair. And of course, you know, some of the other changes, just you know, last year we were talking about them. Uh, last year, the, the, the fair closed Hall 8, which was the traditional home of the English language publishers, and moved them to Hall 6. And you know, surprisingly, that move actually came off without a hitch and was, in fact, very well received. You know, Not only did it succeed in putting English language publishers closer to the right center, uh, it also reduced the time that people were you know, trekking back and forth to meetings and infused the fair with some energy. Uh, I think it led to more chance meetings by people in the aisles, and that's a good thing. Uh, the Frankfurt Business Club is another thing that they just started recently, and that's really also hit its stride. After kind of a bumpy first year in 2014, attendees gave the Business Club pretty high marks in 2015, and Frankfurt officials are expecting even better marks uh, for this year's fair. Once again, we'll have the markets as the pre-fair opening conference that, of course, is the, the conference that took the place of contact in 2014 and prior to that, Tools of Change. And also the publishing perspective stage is back this year, uh, which I am very happy about because there's always a lot of good discussions and viewpoints shared there. Uh, that's kind of a full slate of these short, engaging talks with different movers and shakers from in and around the publishing world. Uh, of course, rights remains the lifeblood of the Frankfurt Book Fair, and after a record number of uh, agents and scouts at the Wright Center last year. We're going to see more of the same this year. All the tables in the Wright Center are sold out. They've been doing great volume with traffic uh, in terms of uh, the, the, the amount of rights sold. Even if we're, we're having a few less of those big books of the fair kinds of things happening, we're seeing a lot more different kinds of rights being sold. So suffice it to say, there's a lot of optimism around this year's fair, even though we're still muddling through a tough global economy and political turmoil and the Brexit and a refugee crisis and all this other stuff. Declining ebook sales, I'm sure, will be a big topic there as well. But as you know, last year, attendance at Frankfurt actually went up. And I think that's kind of a remarkable achievement. So, 
you know, whatever your level of confidence about the global publishing market, I think you have to give uh, high marks to the Frankfurt organizers for working to keep the fair relevant and busy. And I look forward to seeing what changes they have in store for us this year. Well, likewise, I do uh, as well. And I'll have to second uh, your thoughts on the ambitious nature of uh, the program for 2016 and the idea that uh, uh, the German organizers don't seem afraid to, to, to fail. They seem willing to put something on the table, give it an opportunity to, to kind of make it with the audience. And if it works, keep it there. If not, try something new. It's, uh, it's an admirable way of going about things, whether you're a book publisher or in any business at all. Andrew Albany, senior writer of Publishers Weekly, joins me every Friday, and thanks again for being on Beyond the Book. My pleasure, as always. Next on Beyond the Book, a freshman student is supposed to wait his or her turn to make the team, whether on the field or in the campus newsroom. But as a freshman at Syracuse, Kate Beckman saw a market opportunity for first-year journalism students looking to contribute their reporting and analysis of student life. Kate created a freshman-only on-campus publication, and in 2015, she launched Fresh U nationally. Beckman tells me why for freshmen by freshmen has proven a winning formula. Fresh U really covers that time in your life that isn't just, you know, college life in general, because there are so many unique aspects about college, obviously, but it focuses in even closer on that time when, for the first time, you're on your own. A fresh look at campus news next on Beyond the Book. Beyond the Book is produced by Copyright Clearance Center, with its subsidiaries RightsDirect in the Netherlands and Ixis in the United Kingdom. CCC is a global leader in content workflow, document delivery, text and data mining, and rights licensing technology. You can follow Beyond the Book on Twitter, like us on Facebook, and subscribe to the free podcast series on iTunes or at our website, beyondthebook.com. Our engineer and co-producer is Jeremy Brisky of Burst Marketing. I'm Christopher Keneally. Join us again soon on Beyond the Book. Mm-hmm.